2018. Kieran, the best of me. You're the best. You're the best. You're the best that's ever been. The Germans, they're in trouble. Alcantara couldn't do it. Lineker probably could. And he had to make one of the rest. It's Gary Welcome everybody to the Final Countdown, a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football. I am Lewis, here my co-host Adam. Hello there. I feel better and better about the fact that Gary Lineker gets a name drop at the start of our intro, following everything that's happened with the BBC in the last couple of weeks. I feel like we were out there standing for... Gary Lineker before everyone else jumped on the bandwagon. Uh, we were always with you, Gary. Exactly. Which, you know, you go back through our catalogue, you, you are a big Same Gary Lineker it. man. I am, absolutely. I grew up with the uh, the powerful thighs of Barcelona. Well, now you're talking my language, but uh, mo- moving swiftly past that, because it's not Difference. about his bronze tan thighs. Man. Not about uh, that girl you met. <laughs> Gary. <laughs> she, was, she was. She said she was from Spain, but there's definitely a Leicester twang to the voice. Adam, we're going to jump straight in. So it's the World Cup 2018. We're, we're in recent memory now. Mm. Uh, what do you remember about the 2018 final? Oh, the final. Or, or the tournament. Uh, I was going to say that, I mean, the tournament was, it was the first major tournament for England in a long, long time. And I think that's the enduring memory. Yeah. All the fun with it's coming home, um, all the memes. Uh, the feel-good factor. The feel-good factor. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was a brilliant two weeks. The sun was out constantly, so I think that's the. Um, we had, you know, we had a stag do as well. There was a yeah. memory of that. Uh, yeah, just I guess just the overriding thing of Southgate. You know, the second choice, quick choice. Crap, we've lost Allardyce. Let's get someone in. Mm-hmm. Turns the country around. And I think that's what's interesting because when you talk about like the feel good feeling and and the atmosphere around it, I kind of think, oh yeah, 1990. But 1990 only grew within the tournament. Yeah, it's it not is. like yeah, no, yeah. there was no expectation heading in. There was no feel good factor heading in. It was yeah. only during the tournament that it, it all turned around. Whereas, yeah. and then obviously like we've spoken about Capello, Hodgson, sure, all that yeah. kind of dianus. It all we we lost that feel good factor again. Well, from Venables leaving really. And yeah, now, and yeah. now there's always like, hope, isn't there? And I think you mistake hope for feel good factor yeah exactly whereas there was a genuine was, sense yeah. heading into the 2018 world cup that yeah actually this this really is our best chance in decades well they're a good team and yeah. they look like a team that cares and i think you know and i love the premier league era gerard skulls you know the, you know all those kind mm-hmm. of guys lampard but they didn't look like they cared as much until you, Rooney burst on the scene, he was the only player, and Beckham. The end of Beckham, yeah, Beckham definitely. Again. But Rooney, he just looked like he was angry. I don't know if no, I mean, I'm sure he did yeah. care, but it didn't come across like you know the three lines might burst out of his chest. That's true. You clearly took it to heart when he uh, mouthed off at the cameras. Nice to see your home fans booing you. That's what Lewis <laughs> Piss off, Wayne. <laughs> you find a granny, you'll know it. <laughs> 
if you're confused by that comment, just Google. Google Rooney. I actually love Wayne Rooney, so that was a bit unfair. But, <laughs> but yeah, there, there's a sense with um, this England team, people like Henderson. And Southgate himself, when he celebrated the penalty shootout win. Yes. Oh man, I felt like he exorcised yeah. not just his feelings, but my feelings. But he's the perfect man for it because of yeah. his miss. Yeah. Like it, it, it couldn't have... They always say, oh, you couldn't write the script. You could. It's the exact script you'd write. Yeah. It's the guy that had his life for a moment for a moment totally. sorry, ruined yeah. by missing a penalty to then oversee this turnaround and win a game on penalties. It, it, you, yeah, it's so good. It's yeah. so uh, satisfying. And he's just a thoroughly good bloke, which is great. He's a legend. Yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not for the Southgate out rubbish. I think he you know, he's like any manager, he doesn't get everything right. Yeah. Um but I think God blimey England fans We've got let's to remember, yeah, yeah. Let's remember like, what it was remember like. Remember where we were when Iceland knocked us out. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah, like yeah. the last five years have been absolutely brilliant, and you know, I, I hope he stays on to the next World Cup. But who knows if he will? It depends if England fans get the better of him. Yeah, well, let's see what we do in the Euros. But uh, it's not a Euros podcast; it's a World Cup. Sorry, podcast. yeah, we're so, not on a Southgate thing there. No, it's always good. So this uh, World Cup was hosted in Russia. Um, it was officially the second most expensive World Cup ever, um, with eleven and a half billion pounds spent on it. Um, I don't want to tread on your report next week. Yeah. But when you consider eleven and a half billion is officially the second most expensive ever and Qatar was two hundred and twenty billion, mm. you can kind of see the disparity. But nevertheless, this one was controversial as always. There was a huge concern over uh, racism from the crowds. The Russian domestic league had yeah. been marred in uh, the kind of eighteen months leading up to the World Cup. And historically they they've had a lot of problems, literally bananas getting thrown on the pitch at black players, monkey chants coming from the crowd and it happened during some Champions League games as well so there was a lot of concern but ultimately either FIFA didn't care or the train was too far along the tracks to pull it which you kind of understand I actually for once I will stick up for FIFA and say that when this really came to prominence um, it was it was only 18 months out from the World Cup so you're not gonna allocate but there was concerns over that about LGBT concerns about safety as well Um, and even back then there were um, protests about Russia having annexed Crimea and obviously we're seeing a lot of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the repercussions of that now. Um, but nevertheless, in May 2017, FIFA President Gianni Infantino admitted that there had been human rights abuses of North Korean workers involved in the constructions of the Zenit Arena, which won the stadiums. So there was even an admission from FIFA that, yeah, these North Korean immigrant workers had been mis- uh, uh, had been abused. The fact that FIFA actually acknowledged it is a rarity. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, that did happen. But away from the controversy... Did Infantino say... I feel I North did, Korean. I feel North Korean. He's an anyway. I literally don't have the words. I don't have the energy to discuss. He um he recently um compared what he's been through to apartheid in uh, South Africa. So yeah. you know you really got a feel for the multi multi millionaire. You really yeah. Your he's heart been through a lot, him. mate. He's yeah, been exactly. Today I feel uh, gay. Today I feel disabled. Today, I feel uh, a migrant worker. Um, But away from all that, it was an interesting World Cup because Italy, the US, Netherlands, Cameroon, Ghana, Ivory Coast all failed to qualify. Um, Mm. And the majority of those were champions of some other tournament, whether that be a previous World Cup, um, a Euros, a African Cup of Nations. So there were some big teams that missed out. Italy are weird, aren't they? So yeah, they because I'm just like bringing to memory the fact that they then won 2020 Euro, but then failed to get to the Qatar? Yeah. What are they playing at? It is absolutely crazy. Um, Their kind of 
they arguably are probably the most inconsistent big nation yeah. in in football history. Considering huge, also yeah. they've won the World Cup so often. Yeah, it's yeah, it's amazing really. Strange. But, um, this was the first World Cup that VAR would be used. So right. this is real, real modern football now. Obviously, goal line technology had been brought in, but this was um, the first time that we would see you know games stop for minutes to have VAR checks. Right. Um, but about the two teams that made the final, so it's a Croatia France final. Mm-hmm. Um, Croatia, Croatia. Right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, Croatia had struggled to qualify for the tournament, finishing second behind Iceland, our nemesis, um, and they needed to beat Greece over two legs to qualify proper. So to even oh. make it into the group, Croatia were kind Should of Should have struggling. even been there. Exactly, yeah. Let's let's investigate those two leg ties <laughs> yeah. against Greece, shall I want we? The, I want the final replayed. <laughs> So Croatia were struggling. There was a lot of criticism about the fact they had an aging team. A lot of very good players um, with the likes of Ivan Perisic, Luka Modric, people mm. like that, uh, Mario Mandzukic. But they were, you know, 32, 33 plus for a lot of them. So there yeah. were concerns that they just didn't have the legs. But nevertheless, Croatia, after struggling to qualify, were drawn in a group with Nigeria, Argentina and Iceland. So considering Iceland finished ahead of them in qualifying as well, it, it was a little bit of a concern. They were kind of assuming they would battle it out for second place. Yeah. Um, behind Argentina. France were drawn in a group with Australia, Peru and Denmark, so not the most challenging group for them. Um, France would defeat Argentina, Uruguay and Belgium in the semis. Um, So, again, France, a relatively easy run to the final. Argentina, obviously difficult. Uruguay, kind of flat to deceive. On paper, they always seem very good. Um, But... Yeah, they've never really threatened, no, certainly no. in modern football history. And then the Belgium golden generation, which, again, was flattered to deceive. So yeah. France had a relatively, um, in kind of air quotes, straightforward run to the final having... A bar in Argentina, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which, if you can really, like, only come up against one very dangerous team in, in both your group stage and the knockouts, yeah. you've done pretty well. Yeah. Maybe that's a bit of a disservice to Uruguay and Belgium, but I think, ultimately, France would have been the favourites of both those games. Yeah. So before we go on to Croatia's kind of knockout rounds, we have to talk, as we spoke about at the start, uh, England's journey, because obviously it ends with Croatia. So England had looked good in the tournament, but one of the big criticisms, I don't know if you remember, was that we couldn't score from open play. A load of our goals were coming from free kicks, corners, you know, Slabhead, Maguire, just nodding them in. Legend. And then uh, I think we got a couple in open... Play. I always forget. Was it Panama? Panama, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. It was Panama. Where Even we Lingard scored, scored for Granada. Right? Exactly. So that's how you know how, yeah. how poor you are as a nation. Sorry, Panama. Sorry, <laughs> I think John Stone you. scored twice. Oh my God. <laughs> Have a long guard. Look at yourself. <laughs> Harry Kane, I remember. Did he get a hat trick because one came off his heel or something? Somebody shot. It deflected yeah, off his heel. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So other than that game, we were kind of just scoring from set pieces, which a lot, there was a lot of criticism about, which I kind of to a degree understand, but also. If you're scoring and winning games, does it, it matter? It sounds like a British media thing. It really does. Like what? Like you're not going to be like, oh yeah, we won the World Cup. Yeah, but we only scored from corners. <laughs> like, yeah, true. Yeah, it's not going to be on the plaque, is it? No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, too right. I think m- most of Messi's goals in 2022 were penalties. So oh, interesting. What, what are we talking about? Yeah, it exactly. Doesn't make a difference. Yeah, as long as the ball goes in the back of the net. There was uh, a rumor that England possibly tried to finish second in our group. Do you remember? Can yeah, you I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Belgium, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went into our third match knowing that whoever won would top the group but have a much harder draw. That's right. Um, and did we, I feel like Southgate made quite a few changes for it that did. Belgian game. Yeah, yeah. loads of. Yeah, so, which we were all kind of like, oh, you're losing momentum. Yeah. But then they lost the game and got a much easier run. Uh, yeah, which is why the cynicism in me, both about 2022 and 2018, is like, is it because we've never really beaten somebody brilliant other than Germany? 
and even then it's a fairly German historically team. brilliant though, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, so it's yeah. kind of like in I mean, both of our most successful tournaments, well, we've the, had a very easy The France run. was the game. Yeah, yeah, really. exactly. And we did all right, which we'll get to, but mm-hmm. ultimately that was the big team yeah. that um, we had faced in the last two major tournaments. Yeah, and we and we fell short, which was a bit sad. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Italy in the final of the Euros, if you want to include the three tournaments, so it's kind of... Which again, we did okay, but not quite. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Just, that's what Southgate kind of did. Like, we're, we're getting there with these big games, yeah. but we're not quite there. Yeah. So with that, we needed to beat uh, Colombia, which we did on penalties. Um, which Great night. Do you remember, I think it gets lost to memory, but uh, listeners, go on YouTube, Jordan Pickford's amazing save just before the equalising goal. So I don't know if you remember, there is a pile driver from like 35 oh, yards. I vaguely remember. Oh, Pickford when he dives it, yeah, yeah, yeah. An yeah. absolute worldie of a save. Colombia get the corner and that's the corner they score from. So it gets forgotten that he pulled yeah. off this amazing save. He's kind of living, I mean, he's good, Pickford, but he's living off the legend of that World Cup a little bit, isn't Massively he? Massively so. I, he I, was brilliant that World Cup. But he hasn't been as good since. No, and even at club level, he's like, I mean, and he's always raised it. Yeah. <laughs> he's raised it nationally. But you do think somebody like Ramsdale, like if Arsenal win the league, how are you not picking Ramsdale yeah. ahead of Pickford? Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's a whole different podcast. It is. Uh, we should do our, our selection podcast before the Euros. We but, should. That's good. Um, yeah, so Pickford pulled off this amazing save before Yerry Mina scored in ninety third minute to take us to extra time and then penalties, which we won. Three each after four each. Back up. Pickford stops it! Eric Dyer places the ball on the spot. And England win on penalties! History in itself for this new team, new territory. The last eight of the World Cup, and who knows where beyond there. Then there was the comfortable win against Sweden, which I remember because it was glorious sunshine, That's and both right. me and you were at a stag watching it. Yeah, like but it was weird. That was a weird game, wasn't it? It was too easy. Yeah, exactly. There was no drama. England and a knockout game yeah. with no drama. We were just the better team, and we we gave a professional. Yeah, result. I remember feeling uneasy. <laughs> and that, that unease was proved correct when uh, we would play Croatia in the semi-finals. Not the way we started, mate. Ah, oh, life peaked. <laughs> Kieran Trippier, five minutes in, give him the keys to the city of London. Absolute, crown him with many crowns. He, that was as good as it got. I really was. My, my soul and spirit left my body. Yeah. I levitated after that. And and I remember at the time, so many of us being like, "No!" When we started like calming down, going, "We scored too early," as if <laughs> as if like going one nil up is ever a bad idea. But there was definitely that like English cynicism definitely, breaking yeah. through, and the nerves of like, "Surely we're not going to make it to a World yeah, Cup final," yeah. uh, which you know I'm sure everyone listening is aware that we didn't. Uh, so uh, Ivan Perisic and Mario Mandzukic would break English hearts in extra time. Yeah. Um, but interestingly enough, so the big talking point, like I said, about Croatia, so moving on from England, about Croatia, was that they were this ageing team, didn't have the legs and the stamina for modern football. Um, but interestingly enough, they would play extra time in the round of 16, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, quarterfinals, yeah. and against us in the semi-finals. Yeah. So they played a combined extra match, 90 minutes worth of football, heading into that final. So Croatia would be able to beat Denmark... Russia in extra time yeah. and then us in extra time in the semi-finals um, the Denmark and Russia games both go into penalties which they won um, so Croatia had played a lot of football and it was kind of like is this a bridge too far and they yeah. were coming up against a youthful France team this kind of new ge- new generation still leaning on the likes of Giroud who had actually come into this World Cup he didn't start the first couple of games and it seemed like Deschamps was trying to be this more attacking fluid France yeah. and it just wasn't 
clicking. And so they brought in Giroud, who got a lot of criticism for, I don't think he scores this entire World Cup, despite playing like six games up front. Yeah. But he was linking the whole team together with Griezmann and Mbappe, uh, with Pogba behind them, which when you reel off names like that, you yeah. just feel sorry for Croatia. Because again, they were a very good team uh, on paper, but they were old and aged. And yeah, yeah. you just think coming up against a France team that, that, that is that strong. But the weird thing about the old and aged thing is that Modric carried on. And it, yeah, he's still. You could arguably say that this season, Modric is looking better than he ever has at like thirty six. The funny thing about it's a bit like Perlo. The funny thing about this, the the age argument, yeah, is if your game doesn't depend on Pace, speed and like you know running around like a blue ass fly, like if you're not Owen Hargreaves, does it matter if you're thirty something? Well, just before I agree with your point, great drop of Owen Hargreaves. Thank you, mate. You have my you have my full attention. <laughs> Um, but no, you you are right. I think we just got it. We've got it into our heads through years, I guess, before medical science and fitness yeah. were really extreme. That like once you're over thirty two, you're automatically on a downhill slant. But yeah. that isn't true. Even even the likes towards the kind of coming into modern football, like Shearer played till he was thirty five. Yeah. A guy that had struggled a lot with injuries over the years. And I just I like think, to call it the Tim Henman effect. Go on. <laughs> I, I want to know where you're going with that. He retired at 32. Oh, I see. Right. Interesting. That's it. Okay, yeah. You could have gone with Eric Cantona, but we'll go with Tim Henman. That's fine. Well, again, just a lovely mention of Tim Henman. When Thanks was the last time he was mentioned on any podcast? That's it. Yeah. So, you know, Tim, if you're listening. Yeah, if uh, he's tuned in, it's like, oh, this won't be about me. It is, mate. <laughs> Everything's about you, Tim. When was the last time you, get, you saw a good serve and volley player in tennis as well? Let's talk about that. <laughs> Let's get into the nitty gritty. We've got all these baseline. I, lo- I love the fact that you are the absolute ceiling of your tennis knowledge right now. <laughs> well, I know that, you know, Nadal hits on the baseline, but when was the last serve and volley? I just, see, here we go. Here's a good crossover to get us back onto football. Go for it. I remember when Tim Henman lost to Goran Ivanisevic. He yeah. went on to win the Wimbledon yep. tournament that year, yep. right? And he wore a Croatia football shirt when he came out. He did. So there we go. Very That's, good. That is me bringing it back. Well played. Segway. Um, <laughs> so with all of the mention of Goran Ivanisevic and Croatia, we'll get into the match. So the match will be played at the Luzhniki Stadium in Moscow. Uh, only really reference that because I enjoy the name Luzhniki. I think it's, it's very <laughs> I satisfying was to repeat say. It when you said <laughs> so, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got something about it. Luzhniki. Uh, so for the first fifteen minutes, surprisingly, it was all Croatia. They pressed. They were on the front foot. They were attacking, and basically they outclassed and outfought France early on. So for that first fifteen minutes, everyone was a bit stunned. Like, oh, okay, Croatia aren't going to sit back, try and control the tempo. They are going toe to toe with France and. Uh, they they were basically the better team by far. But 18 minutes in, so just after that initial period of dominance, against the run of play, France won a free kick 30 yards out, launched it into the mixer where Croatia's Mario Mandzukic headed past his own goalkeeper for the first ever own goal in the World Cup final. Wow. Which I kind of, I think I wanted Croatia to win. One, because they'd knocked us out and you kind of want to lose to the winners ultimately. And two, I was just a bit sick of France being a bit of a juggernaut. So I kind of wanted the yeah. underdog story of Croatia. But there was definite satisfaction when Mario Mandzukic, who had scored an extra time against England, was yeah. the one who put it into his own net. Unlucky, mate. Um, so against the run of play, France actually went 1-0 up. That's quite a common thing, isn't it? That the, the favourites soak up a load of pressure to begin with, almost like yeah. it's a bit of a tactic. Just let the let the underdog kind of blow themselves out a little bit. Yeah, it's kind of like a rope dope isn't it? It's like, can you get them yeah. to yeah, expend all that I'll, nervous energy? I like to call it the French baguette. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> you you want to <laughs> just soaks everything up? Oh, good. Yeah. So you're throwing all these these brilliant. <laughs> I don't know what to do with you. Uh, there are there is an opening. What for was in that coffee? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll never tell. Um, so with France taking the lead against a run of play, it would only be ten minutes before Croatia would fight back and equalise. So Modric launches a free kick towards the back post, where I think it's uh, Vasalko manages to head uh, back across goal. It kind of bounces around a little bit. It's quite quite scrappy, sorry. And then Ivan Perisic strikes and leads it into I don't the, remember Croatia equalising. Yeah, no. so it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, the final score and how dominant yeah. France were throughout the tournament, yeah. you forget that Croatia were really, really were in this final up up to a point, which yeah. I know sounds a bit stupid, but it was very evenly contested. So, yeah, only 10 minutes after they'd gone behind to an own goal, they would equalise through Ivan Perisic, again, one of the players that scored against England. And really, it was that kind of... Um, triangle of Mandzukic, Modric and Perisic yeah. which carried Croatia to that final. Faded it in, Vasalko appeared round the back, Mandzukic can compete with Pogba, came down for Vida and then Perisic 1-1! He has screamed that in! However, the equilibrium would only last for three minutes, though. VAR would review a potential handball from Ivan Perisic, uh, which would be awarded, and Griezmann stepped up and gave France the lead again. So if this year, or sorry, not this year's, 2022's World Cup was all about Kylian Mbappe, this one was all about Antoine Griezmann. He was fantastic in this tournament. I mean, he was brilliant in 2022, but I know what you're saying. Mbappe obviously outshone him, but yeah, yeah, Griezmann was another, against England in particular, was another level. And a bit like Pickford, he's one of those that, on the international stage, he seems to up his game. I mean, that is a brilliant, like, Griezmann and Pickford. Oh, yeah, the comparison's there for all to see, surely. <laughs> they both got heads. You haven't, you haven't thought about that before, listeners. <laughs> They're basically the same. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. Uh, if you don't know much about football, you, you don't get that from Gary Neville and Jamie Cogan, do you know? <laughs> Just drop it in your next conversation at the pub. Griezmann, yeah, I love him. I love him as much as I love Pickford. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> Very see how long you get away with Very it. Very similar. Uh, Sorry, carry on. No, it's quite right. So Griezmann steps up, scores the penalty, gives France the lead, and the first half finishes with France leading 2-1, despite only having had one shot on goal and only 34% of the possession. So it wasn't just this kind of opening 15 minutes. Croatia really dominated the half. French baguette, mate. The French baguette. Soak it all up. Soaked it up. Stick it it in that stew. Stick it in that soup. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Dunk me again. Um, So yeah, 34% of the possession, though. But I think you're right where you're talking about underdog teams often will go on the front foot. It's very rare that somebody is so defensive in a final. I'm thinking of like Greece against Portugal 20, yeah, uh, 2004 yeah. in the Euros. But yeah. other than that, the underdogs tend to go at a team. Well, but you wonder if it's experience that... Yeah, I think it is. But I think also with the underdogs, I think there's a feeling where they got to go for it because that's you, their, you've got one their shot. best shot is when it's nil-nil yeah. and nobody's kind of into their game, surely, I would yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. No, Fast really start and all that. Like Go back to England again, like England against Italy. Like yeah. Fast start. Obviously, you know... It, Got too early. <laughs> Life peaked too soon. <laughs> but I think there is an element of that where the, the big teams are able to just soak it up and then almost come back at will. It seemed like that with France. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The second half, however, when it began, was only minutes old when the game had to be delayed due to pitch invaders who'd later be identified as the political punk rock group Pussy Riot, um, who are hugely against the Russian regime and government. If you look into them, obviously a fantastic name. Fantastic um, name, yeah, yeah. But They really uh, strike you as serious political movement, don't they? Well, strangely enough, they are pretty much the most vocal anti-Putin uh, protesters in the country that are non-governmental, so not, not the opposition. Yeah. Um, and if you are interested 
interested it is actually a genuinely interesting read to read up about all the protests they've done and the treatment at the hands of putin where they've been locked up without rights without trials really really you know just google pussy right <laughs> yeah if you're on a work computer don't worry it's all fine you can tell them it's all politics <laughs> you came across it by accident didn't you? <laughs> yeah that's why we decided to start this podcast really <laughs> I found out the football was uh, intertwined with <laughs> pussy rights political history. Uh, so many places I could go. I'm going to stop. So moving back to the football, after the restart, uh, Croatia dominated like they had at the start of the game. Uh, it was uh, Rebic who then struck a really strong shot that Loris managed to save. But France, however, started to gain a, a bit more of a foothold in the game and saw a few half chances with Griezmann, Pogba and Mbappe starting to find their groove. So mm. it's about the hour mark there or thereabouts when France start to come back into it, which is amazing, really, that they are leading 2-1. Yeah. And but not necessarily leading the game. Yeah, they're two-thirds of the way through before they really start to kind of um, impose themselves on it. So uh, all three of those players, Griezmann, Pogba and Mbappe, were combined in the 59th minute to extend France's lead. Mbappe found Griezmann, who found Pogba, whose first shot hit a defender, and then as it fell back to his left foot, he drove past the Croatian keeper, Subasic, from just outside the area. And once it goes to 3-1, yeah. as much as Croatia huff and puff, France, like we've spoken about already, just their experience, their yeah. game management is fantastic. They really start to take hold of possession. They start to control the tempo. Uh, 65 minutes in, so only five minutes, six minutes after that third goal, uh, France were going to come at, into a commanding 4-1 lead when Mbappe scores a really good goal from distance. Nobody's close enough to him. He collects the ball about 25 yards that, out yeah. and just drives it into the bottom corner. Yeah. Um, it's obviously a wonderful goal from Mbappe, but really it was just the tired legs of Croatia at this point. Nobody's near him. Nobody's picking him up. He just drops back to find that space. Uh, but the game wasn't over at 4-1. So four minutes after Mbappe's goal, Croatia earned another consolation from Mario Mandzukic, who gets a bit of redemption from his own goal. He wouldn't stop running. He closes down Lloris and robs him to score a tap-in. So Hugo Lloris gets the ball passed back to him. He tries to just knock it past Mandzukic, who sticks out a leg and it goes in. It's quite satisfying. And you, I do like that underdog spirit where it's like, I will run myself into the ground, yeah, yeah, even yeah. though it is, by definition, it's a hopeless cause. There's no way Croatia were going to come back and score three goals. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, I enjoyed that Mandzukic carried on um, anyway. But despite late pressure from Croatia, the match would finish 4-2 with victory for France. It is France. It will be some can-can on the Champs-Élysées tonight. France are the champions of the world. And it would be the highest scoring World Cup final since 66. I was going to say that, yeah. And it's the yeah. first World Cup final since 2002 to be decided without extra time, which I thought was interesting. So 16 wow, years yeah, yeah. Uh, before we had an outright winner in 90 minutes. But France were, you've got to say, as, as much as we love an underdog story, France were the deserved winners. Mm. And uh, they were able to lift the 2018 World Cup trophy. <laughs> Well, you have just witnessed 90 of the most gripping minutes of European football you will ever, ever see. But the good news is there's more to come. So just a few things on our extra time round. Uh, so this would be a record number of penalties were ruled in the tournament. Can you think why that would have been? VAR. Exactly, yeah. VAR was brought in, as we said at the start. And because of that, we saw a lot more penalties given. Um, but... Ultimately, I think most of the time with VAR, I won't get into this conversation, most of the time you do get an accurate result. So it, it makes you think that maybe there were quite a few penalties over the last few tournaments that were being missed. Yeah, VAR is one of those things, if it works for you, you freaking love it. 
Yeah. If it works against you, it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah, very true. Interestingly enough, the fair play criteria would come into use for the first time when Japan qualified over Senegal because they received fewer yellow cards. Wow. So it's tied on the group stage. Yeah, they were tied on points, tied on goal difference, and so it came down to fair play. And so Japan got through ahead of Senegal. There we go. Which is We want Gary Lineker back in our team. Yeah, exactly. Clean shorts, clean attitude. We'll be clean shorts. Oh, no, that's true, yeah. Of all the players to talk about, I mean, clean shorts, not that guy. Uh, the opening ceremony featured Vladimir Putin, as you might expect, but it also had Robbie Williams and Ronaldo, El Fenomeno, uh, who uh, at the end of the ceremony reappeared with the official match ball, which had been returned from the International Space Station. So just a random bit that's of... so random, isn't it? Yeah, Robbie Williams. Rob- must be massive in Russia. Who knows? Robbie Williams, Ronaldo, and a ball that came from space. Yep. And that is the opening ceremony of the uh, 2018 wow. World Cup. So the official song of the tournament was Live It Up. And the only reason that I bring this up, because it's a terrible song, you can list it on YouTube if you just Google Live It Up, with Nicky Jam, Era, Istrefi. But the reason I bring it up is there is two rap verses from Will Smith. That's right. Is there really? In tw- as late as 2018, Will still Smith is it. still rapping. Oh. Uh, it is, I, I used some rapping in air quotes. It's really him just giving a passionate monologue about, like, it's a game. It's why we do it. It's why we're here. We're watching goals. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I get it. So, you know, pre-Oscars controversy, Will is happy to take the Russian dollar to appear wow. on a song that is truly dreadful. But, yeah. um, in fact, I'll probably insert a little bit into uh, this podcast because you really have to experience it for yourself. Mm. One life, one dream, one moment, one team, one you, lights high, thousand roadblocks, one shot, one truth, no fears, one flag, all year, we've been waiting for this all year, we all at, we wait. You never take summertime from us, yeah? Absolutely not, absolutely not, this is the millennium, everyone. <laughs> Uh, the the estimated global television audience uh, was 1.12 billion people. Wow. So, uh, and this is based off of uh, TV sets or signals um, watching at least one minute. So who knows exactly how yeah, many, yeah, yeah. but interestingly enough, at some point, 1.12 billion people were watching this game, wow. um, which is astonishing, really. You think yeah. about basically one in eight, every seven eight or eight or, people. Yeah, 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 exactly. Across the world, watch this. So yeah. it truly is. I know that people... Uh, who like American sports and the NFL, they like to claim it's the biggest sporting event in the world, the Super Bowl. It's not even close. No. It really isn't close. It's comparable to tennis figures. It's not comparable Whoa. to football figures. Tim Edmund, <laughs> Tim Edmund taking another way. stray shot. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. You're a nice guy. Serving <laughs> volley. Um, <laughs> and then finally, the last the last two uh, stats I have in our extra time was, despite losing in the final, Luka Modric would win the golden ball for the best player. And he oh. would also win, uh, to break up the Messi, Ronaldo, Ballon d'Or, he would win Ballon d'Or as well. Oh, nice. Um, which Forgot I, that happened. Yeah, and I feel like he obviously was very good to Swordman. He was very good for Real Madrid. But I also think that they gave it to them because I think people were sick of Messi and Ronaldo winning. Yeah. Um, because I actually think, like you said earlier, Modric, since this game, like four years ago, five years ago, he's actually become an even better player now. He would deserve it more yeah. um, when Real Madrid beat Liverpool in the Champions League final, as an example. He yeah. was absolutely unreal that, that year. But anyway, the final thing to end on a high and to give England their dues, do you know the Golden Boot winner for the 2018? Oh, yeah, I forgot. Harry Kane. Harry Kane. I'm sure from his stirring, passionate uh, team speeches, he managed to motivate himself to score six goals this tournament. Go on, Harry. Really, that's the real quiz, isn't it? Getting the golden boot. That, that's, that's the it. real winner. Yeah, yeah. who wants to win the World Cup when you can um, get that thing? 
I did forget to mention we would obviously go into a third place playoff against Belgium and we would lose. So. I say we lost that as yeah, well. Yeah, so yeah. we would finish fourth in this World Cup. But no need to finish on a low for us. So, Addy, do you want to give us a little uh, a little trailer into what we're doing next week? Well, the 2022 World Cup, amidst all the controversy, is the dream finale for the world's greatest player. <laughs>